That's it. I've had enough of you holding me back. I'm going to clown college. Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week, it's Jake Don Greenbeers. Well, I don't think any of us expected him to say that. Welcome to As You Were, podcast about Alkaline Trio. Hey, my name's Tim Crisp. I'm David Anthony. Uh, thanks for coming by. We're here to talk about an Alkaline Trio song, and boy, howdy, do we got one. We this got is, one for you. This is a big one. We we have a song. Who would have thought? <laughs> so what we've done with the Alkaline Trio's catalog is we've divided it into four separate playlists uh, arranged chronologically for the first three. And then the fourth one, which is the one we're on right now, mm-hmm. is the collection of B-sides, singles, EPs, and splits, everything that wasn't on an LP after the band's 2000 uh, collection, self-titled collection for mm-hmm. Asian Man Records. We're on playlist four, and we hit that shuffle button, and we came up with a banger, Jake. Real banger. On Green Beers is the first track on the Atticus Sampler Dragon Lake Volume 1, which was released May 7th, 2002. It's also the fifth track on Remains Mm -hmm. and Bubba. I mean, I just want to say that really there's there's not much on Remains that's going to come up where I'm going to be like, oh, I don't really like this. Like, you're kind of like just picking from a pot of gold, you know, by and large. Absolutely. And uh, this one is really something. Yeah. This was a song that, you know, it was, it comes out on the first, as the first track on this sampler from the new clothing company of Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge. Mm-hmm. And it's it's you know it's a good list of bands that are on this thing including Blink-182 and Boxcar Racer mm-hmm. and American Nightmare and Phoenix TX but the Alkaline Trio are decisively the first band on this thing. Well, and I mean it speaks to something we talked about when we talked about it, back in episode 1 about my friend Peter. They were always a killer compilation band. They would throw these fucking massive songs onto these things and really just own them. And I think putting them up top is really a smart move because they were kind of coming up. They had done that tour opening for Blink. People were really like vibing on them. You know, from here to infirmary did pretty well. It's a smart opener, especially given the quality of the song. Like this thing really, I remember getting this uh, compilation, I think at a Circuit City yeah. for like five bucks. Got the, mine the, at the Best Buy. The compilation price. Uh-huh. And put it in and just be like, oh, buddy. Bangs. It just flies out the gate like they hadn't done before and haven't done since. This is by far the fastest, most driving Alkaline Trio track the first one featuring Derek Grant mm-hmm. on the Start drums. Start of an era. So what we want to do is to put this song a little bit into context because it is a very, very emphatic fuck you mm-hmm. goodbye to 
somebody in particular, but around this time of the band, there were a lot of people in particular. <laughs> yes, <that> yes, <laughs> there were. Being said goodbye to. Yeah, if if you go back to the Mr. Chainsaw episode, we really unpack a lot of the Vagrant Records history um, and talk about a Punk Planet article kind of in depth where they talk about the fact that like um, Alkaline Tree was having issues with Vagrant. Um, and Rich Egan, who owned that owned Vagrant and also managed the band, uh, there was a falling out with uh, their publicist at the time named Jessica Hopper, who has gone on to be you know very well known and well respected writer. Um, you know there were issues with Mike Flumley; he left the band. There was a lot of acrimony happening at this point in time, and you know I I don't think it's they've ever said or ever pointed to who it could be specifically, or if it's a composite of all that stuff. But you really fucking feel that there is some specificity to someone in this thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to not posit a guess as mm-hmm. to who it would be. But when there's a line like, the only thing that you ever really did for me was sell my records for dope. Uh-huh. There's, you know, you kind of look and you think, ooh, Rich Egan, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, this is this is kind of the, the marking point, though, of a new era for the band, you know, especially, I would say, with the introduction of Derek as the drummer for this band. This is really kind of, if you want to, like, fold the Alkaline Trio in half, this is the point where it happens. Totally, totally. And I think it's interesting because, you know, Derek had been touring with them and playing those songs and there are live videos from the era when he joined pretty early on probably around the time they were recording this song where he's just playing everything so fucking fast yeah like they are a hot mess of a live band because they really can't keep up with him right you know because Derek's a little younger like he has always been a great drummer you go back and listen to destruction by definition by suicide machines like he's playing super fast and super technical and he was 16 years old Uh you know it's kind of fucking impressive (laughs) and he's been in a lot of bands that played even faster than that so like him coming in i think he really wanted to be like i'm gonna fucking prove myself right and i think that there's that you know that just like exuberance of of what happens when you like join somebody new or you know any band really when they're like kind of in a position where they're they're playing like the first song of something and there's a lot of quickness mm-hmm. to it and it takes a long time to settle down and Dan talks about that in the liner notes to Remains where yeah. I think he the phrase he uses was we had to pump him full of Valium because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was drumming so fast. So Derek's like, you know, chronological debut with the band as far as releases go would actually be the Hot Water Music split, which featured queen of pain and while you're waiting which you know if if they're pumping them full of volume you can really tell because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they're super slow in comparison but this one i mean it really is just a blistering pace that you know it's kind of like a you know in a way to start a record off it's just unbelievably well paced totally totally and i think it it's one of those songs that really draws you in and i think it's interesting too to talk about the fact that you know, Atticus, though Mark and Tom co-owned it, it was really a Mark venture. Like, uh-huh. he was more the face of it because at the same time, this was around when uh, Boxcar Racer was happening, which was Tom's side project. And, you know, he brought Travis in and these couple other guys. And, and Mark was pretty salty about that. Like, they've talked publicly about the fact that, like, that really was what drew those two apart. You know, there was a lot going on. 
personally for each of them and they really didn't like each other was it just that he started like you know a new band that was separate from mark and it was was that really just all it was well basically i I think the chronology is tom had some back problems and had surgery and wanted to you know oh right because he plays his guitar at his knees yes uh and he was addicted to painkillers around that time Uh tom had a dark period I think uh, <laughs> Tom's dark period began then and has, and has continued on to present. Yes, correct. Uh, and like, there's, so there was some acrimony, I think, about what directions they wanted to push the band in that you can hear on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. You know, Tom is getting into and name checking bands like Quicksand and uh-huh. like all this shit. He wants to get the band heavier. I don't think Mark has that interest, um, you know. And I think really the thing was like Tom wanted to write these songs with his friends. The other, you know, the bass player and guitar player in that band were old friends of his. But then he asks Travis to be the drummer. Uh huh. So what goes from just being a side project ends up being this really big concern where they were a big band for a hot minute. You know, they were on the radio a lot. And Mark feels so angry. Mm hmm. And uh, he's given a lot of thought. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, Mark's just kind of shunted off into his corner and not really doing anything. And I think the public perception was that there was something there. Right. Yeah. I think I think it was kind of an easy conclusion to make that like, oh, wh- well, why isn't Mark in this band? With yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, why isn't this just going to be a new Blink record? Right. And also, you know, both Mark and Tom have talked about how big of fans they were of Matt Skiba's songwriting and his lyrics. You uh-huh. know, and I think you see a lot of that start informing them. So like the fact this is track one, you know, I don't know if it's a direct like kind of fuck you to Tom a little bit, but I think there is some acrimony and I think there is a little bit of like this song was hitting a lot of people in that time who or and was about a lot of things at that time where people were kinda like fed up with the people closest to them right right you know maybe maybe mark's not like uh throwing it on there to spite tom but maybe when mark's singing along with it he's like yeah yeah, i got a person in mind (laughs) Uh here and that's one of the more interesting parts about this song right is that it is totally unique to the alkaline trio discography in the fact that it is just so directly pointed at one person Mm -hmm. and that's all it's about yeah yeah and you know it's another song like that i think really in this era you couldn't put on any other record i think it's it's interesting because it's you know them recording an atlas again right after premier to infirmary which as we've discussed has some pretty weird bad production right even though they recorded at pachyderm like you know they they kind of go back and they're like oh okay this is what we want to sound like uh-huh, but uh-huh. yeah like it, it stands on its own in so many ways because it's it's a song really of firsts for them in a lot of ways it's the first with Derek it's the first song where and it's getting a little bit ahead of it where Matt and Dan really share vocals yeah um and also you know the start of a new era entirely Right. And, and, you know, I think that the, like, you know, the speed of it, like really like is a big marking point, but it's, it's also, it's just, um, you know, it's a, what do you mean? Well, I guess like, you know, how would you qualify it then as like the, the new era? Is it just that it's, you know, we got this new guy in and this is the direction that we're going to go? Sure, sure. And I think it, 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 to me, it really signifies the fact that they are not the band they used to be. Right. Whereas, like, I think on From Here to Infirmary, there's, you know, some nods to maybe 
oh, this is what Alkaline Trio was. Right. Veering into a different direction. Yeah, you know, uh it's a record that starts that transition, you know, but there are songs that almost feel like, like, You're Dead feels like a Fuck You Aurora. Right. Crawl feels like, you know, a sad Dan song Uh (laughs) from the early era. (laughs) Whereas this is just like, they had never played this fast. Like, they're really making a point to be like, we are going to be a big punk band starting now. Yeah, and I guess it's interesting because, I mean, how many people go in that direction later? It's mm-hmm. it's more common that you have bands that start out really fast and then slow down. Mm-hmm. So this is like this is a song that like I think even people who were big fans of the Alkaline Trio are hearing it for the first time going, "Whoa, what is this?" It, that and I think this is also a song that brings in a lot of people who aren't traditionally traditionally Alkaline Trio fans. Right. I think this is the type of song that I know people who like didn't really like them but love this track. Totally. Because of the speed of it, because of the vocals, because of whatever. This is a song that I think really hit a lot of people at the last time that a compilation appearance could even really feasibly do that. Right. These were kind of the this was really the last run, I mm-hmm. think, of comps was was this one in particular. But, you know, lyrically it is it's just so you're with it from the moment it starts. It's been a long time since I've been close to you. It's been a long time since I've been sad. Like, it's got, like, just a, a real magnetic pull to it. And one of the things that I've always really liked about this song is how, like, deeply constructed the verses are. Mm-hmm. Each of these verses is pretty long. Yeah. And- <laughs> There's a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. All all ending with, you know, that line, like, I hope this is goodbye. But, you know, I kind of love the extent to which, you know, this thing happens so quickly that Matt has to throw so many words into the verses to make <laughs> make yeah. the thing fit. And you get, like, these constructions that he has where he's like, you know, the hope that I never see your face again is anything but questionable. It's like, the only reason that happens is because you need to fill, like, so much space Mm -hmm, (laughs) to just, mm -hmm. like, be on top of this verse. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the wild thing about it, right, is, like, he's, this is probably one of his more, in terms of how quickly he's saying them, like, more lyrically dense yeah, you know, melodic lines, which is kind of wild to think about because it sounds very natural. But listening to it again, you know, really for the first time, kind of analyzing how it's constructed, you know, Derek's the one doing a lot of the the quickness with that pace. Like, right? He's not Matt's not playing, excuse me, super fast, but he's he has to throw a lot out of there, and he's not you know the most prolific lyric writer. Uh-huh. So he makes these subtle tweaks. He's but there's like four verses in this fucking thing. Right. There's four four verses and I think I texted you. This is you know it's not actually very often that you and I are texting each other about the tracks themselves before totally. we get down and into talking this about this. But I texted you like this song is three and a half minutes long and it should be five minutes because yeah. you're playing it so quickly. Mm-hmm. But you know it's it's kind of one of those one of those deals where you know we can talk about the use of repetition and the fact that this song you know it's four verses but it's really just two verses and then those verses are pretty much repeated verbatim the second time mm-hmm. but the band does a really really good job i think of shifting the dynamics to keep this thing from you know not getting too long in the tooth 
mm-hmm. and also not being like all that predictable. Yeah, yeah, and I think this this hints on like Derek clearly being a student of the band earlier because I think he understands what Glenn does so well, which is the drums need to help signify these changes, mm-hmm. right? You know, and in that, well, I was gonna say second verse, but maybe it's the third. It's the right. you know where where Matt kind of holds out the notes and right, yeah, pulls yeah, back. Be the third. You know, Derek's still playing fast, uh-huh. but he's it sounds like he's playing a little lighter. You know, he's, he's, he's still going quick, but he's, he's manipulating it. So he's more in line and allowing, you know, Dan's bass to kind of move to the front with Matt's vocals, Yeah, you know, and when he's doing just little fills in there, they're very expertly timed to almost seem off time. Right. You know, and he's just doing a really, really solid job of coming into this band and knowing how to make this song which on its face can feel kind of straightforward, very dynamic, and right. very rich. Yeah, and there's there's really only like four or five chords to the song. And, you know, I think Matt does a really good job of, you know, if you break the verses in half, like Matt's doing something different with his guitar on the second half than he did in the first half. And he's got a really good, he's got good parts where he's like kind of hammering on a note just mm-hmm. over and over and just holding that until you know everything comes in and we can shift the palm mutes are really good dan's bass that little walk down that he does yeah. it's just like it's one of those things that you learn to do that after it's the first thing that you learn how to do when you're playing bass after you just learn how to play root notes it's just mm-hmm. like, like a small walk down like that but within this it's so perfect. Yes. I feel like everything that like comes together with this song, it just is so, it fits so well together. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that this is, you know, having just come after, like I said, release wise, coming after the Hot Water Music Split, where Matt's vocals are really, really torn up. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad on this one but it's still pretty bad yeah matt's vocal performance on this song is one of my favorites because it's sure yeah so it's just it's ragged a little bit but he's on top of everything and his the yelling is so so sharp well i mean it's like when we talked about all on black a few episodes ago you know it's got that really ragged nature which i think adds to it and i think it adds to the songs on the hot water split and like this one's a little cleaner but you really fucking feel it when he says, I hope this is goodbye. Yeah. You know, when he's really laying into that, you're like, oh, okay, you mean that. This right. isn't just a, a lyric in a song. Like, you are trying to get this out. And that's what this song has kind of always felt like to me is that, you know, he had this anger, he had this frustration. And he never really wrote from that mindset much in the early days. Like, there's a lot of longing, there's a lot of mournfulness, there's a lot of just regret. Right. But this is just upset and slighted yeah and i think that like he maybe has a tendency in in other moments to kind of like communicate like further than just like that upset feeling and he doesn't branch outside of it in this Mm -hmm. and i think that's like it's to the benefit of this song is that he's just sitting there and looking at somebody who was dishonest and who he feels better off without and that part of the message to me was it's really unique within this because there aren't too many times where he's just like you know feeling very very comfortable within himself totally enough to say like yeah i don't want you here anymore like 
all I have left is like this hard in my chest. That's a very like I was trying to get into hardcore mm-hmm. at that time and enjoying that aspect of hardcore. That's you know like embracing yourself and what you really need and what you don't need and saying fuck you to the things mm-hmm. that you don't need. Sure, this communicated so many of those things that I enjoyed in hardcore, but you know it was it was soft enough for a little soft boy here. <laughs> oh, soft boy! I mean, there's a couple things I want to say off of that. One, the hardcore thing. You know, them being on a compilation like this with American Nightmare, who are bands that I've always felt, to me, very similar, even though they're very sonically different, is that they're bands that, like, these feel like the moments of, like, oh, you know, when American Nightmare became the biggest band in hardcore and everyone wanted to be like them, this is exactly what was happening with Alkaline Trio. And, you know, where everyone started to dress like Wes from American Nightmare, everyone started to dress like Skiba. Yeah. You know? And they're communicating similar things where on paper you can read their lyrics and be like, oh, I drew a heart around the name of your city or whatever. Right. But they they are communicating things that are very emotional and generally, you know, angry, but more on the regretful, mournful side. And, and to me, I think that's a really great comparison to talk about how this relates to hardcore because it has that kind of general thrust. I don't know if Skiba really came from that or listened to much of it. But that's what it's hitting on, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like like the dynamic shifts that we get in this song where it's that, you know, that palm muted chorus mm-hmm. for the first one. I just I every time I hear that, I just think of, you know, like the melodic side of hardcore. Like man, yeah. like Lifetime would do that. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, you know, the the kind of the, the flair that they add into the to the verses too, where, you know, what we were talking about earlier about the things that they do so that it doesn't feel long in the tooth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like those little add-ons are just like, you know, that's like Dan Yemen guitar playing on top totally, of Totally, totally. And one of the big things I, I want to talk about now, which is like, you asked me why this feels like the start of the second era. But to me, it's, you know, there's the Derek stuff, there's the speed stuff, there's all that. But it's really the start of Confident Matt Skiba, uh-huh. which has not been present lyrically, I would say, really up until this point. You know, um, my friend Peter, it's his stupid face. Right, you know, right. cooking wine, he's getting drunk to do Like, every uh-huh. record he is projecting against himself, I would say, even on Infirmary. Yeah, you know? yeah. But then you start looking at... Uh, Good morning. It's turn that fucking radio off. You you start looking at Crimson and Time to Waste. He's like, I'm not sorry. Uh-huh. You really see the shift of him feeling comfortable enough in his skin, and maybe ultimately to his detriment, right? To sure. not put himself in the wrong as much. Uh huh. And then that starts, I think, here. Yeah. This, so this is this is patient zero of of uh, of Matt like being unable to see in a sort of in a sort of way. This is mm-hmm. I love yeah. this, and yeah. we, we we talk about this you know kind of often how even the Matt songs we talk about with like oh yeah, but then he just did too much of it and it was a bad thing. But sure, sure, <laughs> and I mean I I think this song is just a perfect example of a lot of things working for them. Yeah, in a moment, and, and the biggest one to me is the last minute of this song. Oh my. God, yeah. Because because really, like they rush through four verses in like two minutes fifteen seconds. Uh huh. You know, and then we get a big payoff. We get a huge payoff, and the you know, having done the palm muted chorus the first time, mm-hmm. there's a big ring out on it the second time. Which there's something about that hi hat mm-hmm. hit that count of just being on an open hi hat. Yeah, which. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't think that there was much thought put into 
what that would actually come off like recorded like rather than just doing like a stick click to keep everybody yeah. in time but that hi-hat hit feels just so like charged and you're just like oh yeah oh yeah 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 and then the drum roll on mm-hmm. it. it just you know well i mean it, it speaks to Derek's skills like before when he kind of shifts into that halftime groove in one of the choruses right and then builds it up to this fucking just like part where you're like holy shit you know Uh it it feels like what glenn does in a song like 97 like i'm referencing a lot of other songs here but like this is one where i just see so many parallels to what came before and it feels like them pulling all these parts to make something that feels new out of it you know definitely and and just the way derek builds that and then allows room for skiba to hold on to those i hope this is goodbye and then dan to sing against him uh uh-huh. they're just it's just so fun in it's a way super fun and like matt's screams are so good and like dan gets like freaking gold star because i know he had a really hard time with his speech and mm. getting i hope this is goodbye out but he did it <laughs> well and just <laughs> We yeah. used to, we, when this song came out, like, and, you know, this is, we were in high school, so we weren't exactly sensitive to, you know, what's causing somebody to have a difficult time with his S's and, and TH's, but, you know, I hope that the goodbye was, yeah. was a very fun thing to yell. Yeah, and I've always loved Dan for that as someone Me who, too. who struggles with his S's. Right. Uh, but also his melodic phrasing of that uh-huh. is fucking incredible to me yeah it's I'm, just boom 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 yeah you know just the way because skiba's is more direct right and he's holding on to the goodbye but dan's holding on to the hope in this yeah you know and i think that's an interesting counterpoint which i'm sure wasn't deliberate but the words that jump out of you that jump out in the way they phrase it is hope this goodbye right you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and like that's such an interesting construction which i'm sure they weren't thinking about but that's what comes through. They have such an ability at times to like float around each other. And mm-hmm. they also, you know, do it a little bit earlier in the song too, like on the first chorus when Dan's got that like that goodbye that he kind of like wavers on mm-hmm. a little bit over and you know, that adds like a desperation to it and but this is just like so fucking emphatic. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things they didn't really do post uh god damn it but it's like the trading my bike for a shopping cart like yeah. they are not synced perfectly and that's why it works so well because they're you know just really kind of doing their own fucking thing and allowing them to do that i think is really crucial to to them making songs that feel this way and feel so strong because it's not technically right it's not the decisions another band would make but it's the decisions they're making together because they trust one another and know how to play off one another and that, and that's just really a crucial component to all the good things this band did yeah and you know putting that into you know the the position where it's in in this instance where this is the first time that they're doing it with a different guy mm-hmm. and the fact that it works so magically it's it's so I, I love this song so much and i think you know we've maybe shown our cards a little bit here but what do you write this song <sighs> i struggled with this one because i love it i give it four and a half skulls out of five 
I give this song five out of five. And, you know, we haven't really talked about this previously, but, you know, the 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 five star system that we work with here, it, it shows a lot. But, you know, I think this also gets an asterisk with the five because I think that this is one of my five favorite Alkaline Trio songs. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggled. Like I said, I, I made a list of 20 songs that get five out of five. This was one that I debated back and forth with. Uh-huh. It was like right on the bubble. Yeah. Because I will say there's a couple songs I gave five out of fives. Not necessarily because I love them as much, but I think they are very uh, crucial to the band as a whole. Yeah. You know, almost like my like, you know, critic hat going on uh-huh. and removing myself. And this is one that like, as someone who loves it and as a critic, like I felt like it should be up there, but... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna break. Twenty songs get five out of five. Right. Well, it's it's one of those songs that if you're like if you have five songs to introduce someone to Alkaline Trio to, you wouldn't use this song because no, they never do anything like it again. Yeah, I mean it's it's an outlier, and I think they have a lot of great outliers. Yes, that I just couldn't give five. You uh-huh. know, and this this one is more of an outlier, but I did. It was either this one or another one that was going to squeak in. Right. Both of which fall into this bucket of like really a one-time thing. Uh-huh. And I went with the other one. We'll get you went with the other one. I can't wait until we get to that. But, you know, if they offered a test about being a good podcast that's devoted solely to one Alkaline Trio song per episode, I'd put money down that we surely passed pass with flying colors my friend hey subscribe to it on itunes tell a friend about the show um we're having such a great time doing it it's so so dope to hear that so many of y'all are out there and you're liking it yourselves and you're enjoying it so we're gonna continue doing it because we like spending time together and yeah come back for uh for next week and and maybe you'll get to hear the the song that is also in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Maybe the you will. Bucket song. Maybe you will. You won't, but maybe you will. But maybe you will. I hope this is goodbye. Yeah, I hope this is goodbye. I hope this is goodbye.